0: How's it going, Nick? Doing well, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Excited for our conversation today.
1: Me too, me too. So Nick, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today.
0: Yeah, so I'm Nick Jensen, Director of National Accounts at LoadSmart, and I'm calling in from New York, New York.
1: And that's right, you are part of the original, the OGs from uh, New York. That's right. LoadSmart was originally based in New York, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I I think the official start date was 2015, 2014. And and I came on shortly after that. They were about a year into the inception. Yeah. So I think they moved to Chicago a year and a half ago. And there's still a good crew of us out here in, in New York.
1: So please introduce LoadSmart. What does LoadSmart do?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, so LoadSmart is a, it's a tech freight company that focuses on bringing tech solutions to, to shippers and carriers to optimize logistics execution.
1: Right. And you are, you're a digital freight broker. And, yeah, and the And the sure. reason I say, I think when we hear about freight brokerage, people are all using digital stuff, digital tools. But I d- differentiate companies like LoadSmart, who are kind of tech first, that's not to say you don't have the ability to be you know old school freight brokers, but you use technology to do that and and it is again a tech tech first focus right
0: tech focus company absolutely you nailed it you know the majority of our employees like forty percent you know sit on that data scientist engineer product management side uh, and the rest kind of filter into marketing operations and sales but that's a, it's a big difference from what you see with the traditional freight brokers out there where it's majority operations and, and, and sales. So we definitely have a... So would you
1: say 40% of... Can you yeah. say how many employees you guys have now?
0: Over 700 employees. When and 40% we, we,
1: of them are tech guys. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. So you data
1: scientists... They used to just be IT guys, but now they're data scientists, data
0: scientists, engineers, <laughs> products. Yeah, we we group them all. We group them all together. Yeah, I, IT folks. That is, it, it's a no no these days to say that. I know, <laughs> I know, I know.
1: I'm sure they could do that. They're probably saying that's an insult, but
0: yeah, exactly.
1: Tech focus. So, um, anyway, Nick, who's who's the sweet spot for Loadsmart?
0: Yeah, really uh, all all shippers and, and carriers, you know, my my role on focusing more on, on the shipper side. But, you know, when we look at our customers, it's both on the, the shipper side and, and the carrier side. And we really, you know, we we facilitate to to all sizes, small, medium sized shippers and carriers all the way up to large enterprise, ultra large enterprises on, on both sides.
1: Excellent. Excellent. So before we get into the topic today, which is redefining freight brokerage, and we'll talk about what that means, tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you joined the Mighty Load Smart.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So grew up in a town just north of Nashville, about 30 minutes, and spent the majority of my life in, in Tennessee. Went to the University of Tennessee, spent four years nice. in Knoxville. Yeah, it was a, it was a great time. Unfortunately, the football team was, was not very good during that time, but we're, we're kind of on the upswing. They're so. like
1: one of those original blue bloods in my mind. They um, are
0: hanging on to the, to the late nineties. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm a Michigan
1: Wolverine. So like I always had like, I joke about it. I, I like hated Peyton Manning because he competed with, uh, Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson for
0: the Heisman, yeah.
1: For the Heisman. And I remember, like, I watched him on TV. I was like, he's such a good guy. And I told a good friend of mine who's a, a volunteer that I go, I've forgiven uh, Peyton Manning. I think he's a great guy. And and I remember he's like, oh, really? Already, Joe? It's only been like 15 years. Yeah, Exactly.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> But yeah, they're a blue blood. I think, I think college football is a better place when the blue bloods do well. Of course, my team's a blue blood too. Yeah. And Peyton's
0: still a, he's still a god and a hero in in Knoxville. So should be, should be. Yeah. So from there, graduated and jumped right into the logistics space, started working for CH Robinson down in Atlanta and was there for, for three years, spent all three years on the, the carrier sales side. So first week was dropped right in there during produce season, trying to find coverage from loads going from Cartersville, Georgia out to you know Mississippi Louisiana some some heavy beer runs and you know cut my teeth you know in the industry doing that, really building out the, the carrier network
1: you know I, I know some people listen to this podcast to, to really learn this business, and I'll say this when I first started in this business, they didn't call it carrier sales they would call it the carrier network gotcha. and I think People like you, you you always say carrier sales, that's where you started your career. Yeah. I think it's interesting because companies like LoadSmart, I'm sure others say, we have two customers. We have the shippers who want us to connect them with great carriers and manage their freight. And then you have the other side of your customers, which is uh, the carriers who say, hey, we're going to work with you only if you go get us great freight and great, (laughs) great shippers.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that that was the name of the game. When I came in, it was really building out those relationships with the carriers and showing them that, you know, you were just invested in them as they were invested in in you to moving the the freight. So, yeah, so over the the course of the three years, moved through uh, some different positions all in the, the carrier sales realm. But, yeah, it really taught me a lot about building relationships, going out and building them from scratch uh in really building the uh the trust with with the individuals. A lot of that carries over to to the customer facing side which which I'm focused on more today. So where after Robinson where'd you go? Went to I uh, went to LoadSmart. So very nice. Yeah. I um got the opportunity you know actually a recruiter reached out to me and they uh, you know how they pitched it they're like yeah do you want to join this 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 new age freight brokerage that's automating the way you know we're pricing they have instant pricing and you know they're really you know excited group of, of guys and, and girls that that want to redefine how how brokers work in the industry and you know, it was it was a long shot, but I went in for, for the first interview and it was like 6.30 p.m. because that was the only time I could get in there. And at the time, 12, 15 employees, but all of them were still there. The The buzz in the office was just electrifying and like I sat down and next thing you know, it was like a two-hour interview, but it didn't even feel like it because I was whiteboarding with, with the, the person at the time and they were just a hungry group trying to figure out the space because... As you may know, a lot of them, you know, that initial group, you know, didn't come from the freight industry. A lot of them were on the tech side or engineer side or on the, uh, or a lawyer one of our co founders, right? That's right. Now, who
1: are the co founders
0: of VoteSmart? Yeah. So it's Felipe Capella and Ricardo. Yeah.
1: And what's interesting, when you talk to tech guys, I, I did talk to Felipe, those guys who came to this, a lot of the tech guys came to this business saying, this is an eight hundred billion dollar industry that is underserved by technology. Yeah. Now we all we all in our daily life we have problems that we're solving for customers. That perspective, that I'll call it the entrepreneur's perspective, is that total addressable market mentality. Yeah. And it's real easy to go. I'm real wrong way to say it. Completely wrong to say it. It's easier to go to see venture capitalists when you can have a story that starts with. Eight hundred billion dollars spend, very fragmented. Some using tech, some not using tech. That's the space we want to jump into and grow, and hopefully dominate at some point. And I think you guys are well on your way to doing that. But th- that again, I've heard multiple tech people who are come from the tech side. I say, why'd you get into this? And they say, size the market, lack of technology. What other place do we see that big a market with? so little tech.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And one of that, I mean, that was one of the, the reasons I came over. I mean, at the time we were offering instant pricing, but you had to come to loadsmart.com, put in your OD pairs and it would, we would give you an instant rate right then and there. So the technology was...
1: You mentioned OD pairs. We'll describe that what that
0: is. Yeah. It's just origin destination, right? So you would go to loadsmart.com and plug in atlanta to chicago and we would give you better you put the zip and
1: the address and all that and that would it would that's when we so you here somebody say od paris that's the origin and destination
0: Paris. yes for sure for sure and we've evolved so much since then. but, <laughs> right. but even even just coming in and that being like the, the sole thing that we were going out and selling it was exciting because a lot of customers at the time had not seen anything like that and then you know as we as we started to go after larger and larger shippers, we realized that we had to figure out a way to get that instant pricing into their world and automate that as as much as possible. Instead of them coming to loadsmart.com, planners were going to do that. Right.
1: Yeah. it's th- Things have changed very rapidly in the last five, seven years. <laughs> Absolutely. So anyway, today's topic is redefining freight brokerage. And let's talk about first before we talk about redefining. The talk about the traditional freight broker, and and they're still out there. And you 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 worked at C H Robinson. I know they're very you know they're growing their tech. But talk about the original, like the tech, the original freight brokers who don't have C H Robinson cash or a tech focus. Tell me how they're doing business today, and what you would what you would perceive as some of the challenges with what they're doing.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that you know when you we talk about traditional, you think. Old school, like picking up the phone to do a lot of things, emailing to to do a lot of the day to day tasks, building an army of of reps to do simple simple tasks. Uh, that was that was definitely the world that that I lived in when when I first started in, in the industry. And I think there are a lot of brokers out there that still operate in that world, although I think some of them are slowly moving into more of this digital, cloud based, right. and automated world. But yeah, I think the the biggest difference that, that, that you see between the, the traditional and the digital players, which there's a few of us out there now, is just the the desire and curiosity to automate as much as possible, right? And that is the, I think that's the, the biggest driving difference. And we'll talk about some some other things too that, right. uh, that are kind of separating. But yeah, I, I think, you know, the industry is ripe for, for for automation internally, as far as just your your processes, but also customer facing, carrier facing, you know, automating those uh, those as much as possible. And, and if I could elaborate on that, I think a
1: lot of freight brokers, and maybe some to even still today, are probably a lot are still doing the cradle to grave model, which is I as the broker, I I make I send emails, I make cold calls, I look for my own customers. And then, as soon as I win that customer, I'm managing that customer from cradle, from the time I met them till the hopefully to the cradle to grave, hopefully not not death. But that model that model has its limitations. The one limitation is I'm as the broker, I can only do so many, right? And I know if you get really good, they give you an assistant and another assistant, and you find some freight brokers who say, "Yeah, I got ten guys working for me. I'm the main guy," but they build their own little fiefdom within the company, which is. Fine. That's models worked. The problem is if that guy says, Hey, Nick, uh, I quit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you go, exactly. Oh, no, 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 you can't quit. Well, then I'm going to need a bigger bite. I need more money. And, and I always say when you get a lot of, I get a lot of phone calls where people say things like, Hey, um, I want somebody with a book of business. Could you, could you connect me to someone? I go, It just doesn't work that way. You just can't call somebody and say, Hey, how many clients do you have, and can you bring them all over here? <laughs> it just doesn't work.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: But more and more companies are saying, "I don't want to do that. I want, I want to have some SDRs, uh, sales development reps. I want them to make appointments for my sales team and my account managers. And I have a marketing team, and then I have an operations team, a customer success team, an onboarding team. With you guys, a lot of tech guys, so the customer isn't connected just to one guy who might leave." <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. What you kind of described there is almost like a little a little factory when it comes to onboarding a, a customer, right? It, you know, it it has to pass through a, a, a you know a few milestones, right? And then and then it it starts to to live and grow within certain departments.
1: You have processes and you have processes that are uh, well known, and everybody is focused on their area, and you get better and better and better, and you create more and more tech around it. And as opposed to That one guy who got really good at making cold calls, who now is in charge of a lot of shipments. And by the way, when you're not using technology, you might be limited to how many loads you can actually manage. So I don't know what the number is, but for every additional load, you got to bring out a guy. right? And that's not the way tech is. You know, if you say we got the technology really humming here, this guy's doing 20, 40, 80, hundreds of shipments a day. And it's just one guy because... All he's dealing with are one gal dealing with exceptions, dealing with something higher level. So I think there's, that's the contrast I see. That's the older school model, but it's still out there. I mean, it's not like it's gone.
0: Yeah. And yeah, the, the team that I manage, you know, the account management team, one of the, uh, the KPIs that we look at is loads per head per, per day. Like you just mentioned, right? And seeing you know, what is that, what is that ceiling, right? And as we introduce more, more tech and automate more processes, we we see that number just increasing, you know, every single quarter, every year. And, you know, still at the point of not jeopardizing service and, and communication to, to our customers. Right. You got the
1: tech doing the tech work and people doing people work. So if I, if I call you and say, Hey, I want to talk about my account. I don't have to talk to a robot. I get to talk to a person.
0: Yeah. No, no robots. Not yet. Anyways.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Nick, when we were talking about this before we hit record, we, we talked about six areas that you said, this is, this is what redefines. This is the difference between the traditional freight broker and a digital first freight broker like you guys. So. What is that first thing that is redefining freight brokerage
0: yeah, touched on it a little bit already, but it's the the automation right automation to to drive efficiency with the with the tech out there it's really just focusing in on where we can automate as much as possible to give the customers the uh you know the the benefit of of, of the automation right so you want to you want to create processes that that are systematic and can run 24 seven. And there's very little interruption in, in those type of automations.
1: So, so you mentioned that you're using automation for different, different things. And you mentioned you guys have a measure. I don't know if you can share it, but that you are able to do more and more shipments with the same guy. So how many loads per day can a guy using a load smart guy manage in a day?
0: Well, if we look at the, the quote in, in book, Piece of that because that is you, you know, historically used to be a very manual, right? You know, process. You know, you, you think about you know, if someone wanted to do it, just one single quote by by themselves, right? It may take two minutes, and that's that's probably being you know pretty uh, pretty conservative there. You know, and and you do that five hundred times a day if you're if you're a good size broker and and you're you know quoting five hundred loads per day. That is, it's a thousand, thousand minutes just on, just on quoting. And then you break that down in hours. It's like 16 hours. So you need two heads full time in a day, just to quote 500 loads, right? You know, you build an API dynamic pricing around that automated pricing and you can do 500 loads in, in seconds, right? So you are completely eliminating that, that manual process. And at the same time too, you're also able to.
1: More, more effective too. You're getting store, the right Store all price. that data
0: too. Like if you're manually quoting, that's very tough to, to store that all that information. Especially if you're doing it spreadsheets or you're using, you know, four different things to get your rate. Right. The last thing you want to do is then data entry that that rate into something else for you to go back in and analyze.
1: Yeah, you know, I've I've used this term once or twice in my podcast. I, I say the human API, <laughs> where where we have put. Uh, humans into the role of an API. It's like, well, we don't have API for this yet. So I got, I got Nick and Joe being human API. I I take information from different sources and I bring it in. <laughs> right?
0: For sure. But yeah, the quoting and booking piece, like that's, that's just one, one piece of the, the puzzle that, that we're looking to automate. Scheduling pickup and delivery locations is, is another thing, right? Warehouse uh management. That's a, that's something that I, feel like, you know, we're just scratching the surface on and as we get more and more into it, it's exciting. And I think, you know, if we can start to offer more real time appointment scheduling and, and moving appointments around based on driver's location, which we have more and more visibility into that. That's just going to it's going to make everybody's life easier. Right. It's going to make the the warehouse supervisor and they won't be pulling their hair out saying, Where's the truck? Like they're going to know and they're going to shift that appointment to the necessary time slot and move some other folks around. Uh, and all that's done programmatically.
1: Yep. So the first one is automation to drive efficiency. And you, you should have a guy inside of LoadSmart using your tech should be able to manage significantly more loads, but not only manage them, but do a better job because using technology means there's not a whole bunch of human error in it. Yeah, exactly. And when I say human error, there's judgment, I should say. You know, I, I don't want to have to make Nick's deciding this margin, Joe's deciding this margin. That's a lack of consistency you guys have. Well, which brings us to the next point. So talk about the, the next point that is, uh makes you guys different.
0: Yeah. So the dynamic pricing and dynamic routing guide, jumping into that. Yep. What is dynamic pricing? Yeah. So dynamic pricing really, it's taking, uh, machine learning and using an algorithm to come up with, with rates and provide that back to, to the customer. So it's, it's happening in, in real time. It's taking in a lot of different market conditions, internal data points. I can't remember how many, uh, data points go into it these days, but it used to be, you know, it used to be like 40 something plus. I'm sure it's simplified a little bit more, but that is, that's what we mean by dynamic, right? You know, it's what the price we have. Today, actually, this hour is going to change in in two hours, right? And it's all, you know, that really what's changing is like looking at you know market trends and also lead times, a big one going into that. So that that's what we mean by dynamic.
1: So that's what the airlines have always used. That's so it's really it's really on trying to understand the market what 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 the what the shipper will pay yeah. and say, hey, we can tell you that this is a ninety percent chance that they're going to say yes. So you're giving them a price that's attractive enough for them to immediately go yes so so it kind of gets them to that buy now where it's like in the past we had you would say hey joe i can do that load for you for twenty eight hundred dollars and i'd say oh nick you got to do better somebody just gets a twenty seven fifty and then you go you call back to your carry and go I hate to do this to you. Can I knock $50 off of your rate? And they go, no, you can knock $25 off. And then you're like, uh, not making enough. You start calling other carriers, <laughs> right? And then, and then, and then you call me back and I, uh, I don't answer. And then you call me yeah, back. The yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? absolutely. So, so that, that is the old way without dynamic pricing where I think now you're able to say, I'm going to give Joe a price right away that he's going to say yes. And I'm, I I probably an, an AI can say I know Joe's account well enough that this is a 95% chance of him saying yes.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's also looking at, you know, our confidence level of of moving that load. You know, there there may be situations where the the customer just buys very well in that lane and we as a at Lode Smart, we just haven't gotten to to that rate yet. And so like we we put our rates where we're confident that we're gonna move it with with based on our, our carrier network. That may mean we're very strong in some lanes and not so strong in, in other lanes, right? Because again, it, it's taking all the information that we've aggregated external and internal, internal being the the most important, right? Looking at historically what we've what we've been able to do on, on, on those lanes. And give the the customer that that confident rate, right? And I think there's another piece to this, which is
1: I've taken I've taken out the individual judgments, right? So if I have Nick and Joe sitting next to each other, Nick's being very aggressive, lowering the margin and potentially putting us at risk of losing money, and Joe's on the other hand is is being really greedy and is knocking our carrier price down lower and lower and uh, raising the price and we're losing business and we're upsetting customers. And at the same time, upsetting our carrier partners, you guys go, no, 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 no. We're going to put the dynamic price in there. We're going to understand the market really well. We're not going to have this strong arm or again, uh, the behaviors that you might not want to see.
0: Yeah, that's a very good point. Early on during our API dynamic rate conversations with some larger shippers, one of them made a comment that stood out and it's, and it's stuck with me you know, to this day. They said that they would rather have a machine price their their freight during a tight market than a human, right? Because a human's like, I'm going to add an extra 100 or 200 or $300 onto that, where a machine is just like, it's taking all the, the inputs and just spitting out a price. There's no emotion involved in it, right?
1: When, when the pandemic hit, I had somebody call me up, large shipper. And they said, should we go back and renegotiate our price with our uh, carriers? And I was like, you know, I wouldn't. I was like, you know, you. And, and by the way, this is a great company where they really kind of pride themselves on this long term partnership. It's not so so it was that was why they're asking. And I said, I, I just think that during a pandemic where you're trying to take advantage, but getting back to it. That dynamic pricing, they adjusted day one on what the pandemic prices were, then day two. And it's not waiting. Me, you, we have all these biases in our head. We say, I think the market's falling apart. I think I'm going to be able to lower the price on everything. I'm bringing my biases. We get tribal knowledge. I'm putting air quotes here. Tribal knowledge. It's great, but better if you can take that tribal knowledge and put it into a system and have it be... Real knowledge, <laughs> yeah.
0: And, and, and the whole dynamic pricing um, is—it's gaining a lot of momentum. D- dynamic pricing and dynamic routing guide. I was just at the E2 Open Supply Chain Conference. I think that's a, the full—the uh-huh. full title earlier this uh, this month. And API pricing was a—it was a big part of that. There were you know a couple of sessions dedicated just to dynamic pricing, uh, one specifically to dynamic routing guide, which it's a that that's. A little bit different, depending on how we want to, you know, insert our our rates into to the TMS. Right, but but it's definitely it's gaining a lot of momentum, and you know shippers and TMSs are interested in including this right and, and part of the the bundle and and getting that. And we're seeing, you know, we're one of the first to to market with dynamic rates API pricing into TMSs. And now when we talk to to our shippers, we're seeing. Seven, eight, nine, ten 10 different uh, API dynamic pricing providers in their network these days. Right. So if I was to
1: uh, work with LoadSmart, you guys have your own technology, obviously, transportation management system. Are people using your transformation management system, or are they using their own, like some of the large shippers, and then connecting to load smart,
0: usually the latter, you know, especially with our larger shippers, they they they're already you know in bed with a lot of these large TMSs, and we're connected to every single one of them. So, you know, getting that that connection set up, some of them take longer than others, but you know, th- there's a couple of TMSs out there where it's it's seven clicks, and bam, you have dynamic pricing inside your your routing guide or your spot portal.
1: Yep. So, I just talked to Don Salvucci Favier Favier from yeah. Green screens. And she said there's like 17,000 freight brokers. And she said, you know, maybe a hundred are using dynamic pricing. And she said, even that is to a uh, different levels, right? For sure. Somewhere. So that that's always the nature of this business is, Oh yeah, we use dynamic pricing there's a spectrum there's the people who are ones on that spectrum and then there's the tens right yeah there's so, there's
0: people that are, are using other people's technology when it comes to to the pricing and the people right. that have built it you know th- themselves and, so you and, built it in
1: it's built in on your tool. And, absolutely
0: yeah and we've got all, all different levers and knobs to turn to to really make sure that we're we're in tune with the, the shippers uh you know network and also the the entire network what's going on
1: so dynamic pricing is, we, we're calling it a separate topic here, separate task or bullet point, but it really is about this automation. It's about going, getting faster, better, cheaper. And I just, I've said this before in my podcast, when it comes to dynamic pricing, you know, the, over the last few years, we hear visibility, 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 still super important. That's a, that's, we're still don't have enough visibility in the business, but I think it's moving towards dynamic pricing as one of those killer apps. And I would say that, uh. This is one of those places where it's the haves and have-nots. People using dynamic pricing, plain and simple, are going to be more successful. They're taking out time, they're taking out errors, they're just going to be more profitable. Things are just easier in those businesses.
0: Yeah, and and like I mentioned earlier, you know, you're eliminating that that manual task and you can you can quote thousands and thousands of loads per day and and with a a very precise level of of accuracy. You know, it, we started off on the full truckload side, dry van and reefer. We have, uh, we have it with flatbed. We have it with intermodal, LTL, and partial. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, we're, 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 yeah, exactly. So full truckload was, was the beginning of, of dynamic pricing. We're, we're expanding it to, to all modes and making sure we can tie in all those dynamic rates into every single TMS out there to give the shippers that optionality. And let, let me
1: guess, like, when, if I was to quote something, you could also quote it all those modes at the same time. So you might say, yeah, so I might say at times, yeah. Yeah. So I might have that down as a full truckload and you go, Joe, that's, I can do that on a volume move on an LTL.
0: Yep, exactly. Or put put it on rail, extend the the transit time, but it could save you, you know, 500 bucks. <laughs> that is
1: so cool. And by the way, I always say that being able to, to suggest the right mode, people have always done that. When I was at a 3PL, we did that. But we did it kind of after the fact. I was like, I noticed you did like three LTLs last week. Next week, if you want to do those same three LTLs, let's put them on a full truck. Yeah, I know. It's real time. That's great advice two weeks late. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, those are long gone, Joe. <laughs> but also, yeah, just one more note on, on the uh, dynamic pricing, what... uh Something else that it gives us is just you know us being able to to quote thousands of thousands of loads per day. It gives us all that data too, and now we have an insight into the customer's network, how it's operating, and we can start to you know have some additional conversations besides just like, hey, I can move that Atlanta to Chicago run for you, right? You can start to pinpoint. Trends and show that to them,
1: which brings us to our next bullet point. What's the next thing that's redefining freight brokerage, Nick?
0: Yeah, so it's taken that that dynamic pricing and dynamic routing guide to, to the next level. So RateGuard is a is a solution that we've implemented with a few shippers lately, and the reason this this came about was dynamic pricing is is fantastic for for shippers, right? If you're a load planner, you have ten API providers they're quoting a lot of freight for you, you're getting a very good read into what the market is, you know, you know your providers aren't missing out on on quotes. But it also, it, it makes your life a lot easier because then you can set up rules to start taking, you know, rates, you know, the lowest cost provider or service, whatever it may be. But there's also the, the downside where you can be a little too hands off and you're not monitoring the, the cost and you're just taking advantage of the uh, the automation of of the dynamic rates. So where rate guard comes in into play is it puts a, you know, it puts a ceiling on these rates based on industry benchmarks or internal benchmarks for, for the customer. So right. you can say, Hey, here's, here's our benchmark rate for, for this, for this lane or I, our entire network. And if you exceed that, then don't return us a, a quote. Like don't, we don't even want to see it. Like it's, and then, but if you're under it, we definitely want to see it. We're interested. And then that is, one way to build that that trust with shippers to let them know that, hey, we're only going to quote if we fall below your, your certain threshold.
1: So that might be, you know, I bring you on. Um, so I'm working with LoadSmart and um, I'm, I'm still worried about dynamic pricing. It sounds so scary because I don't, it's new to, it's still new, right? Yeah. And so I know I've been paying somewhere between 3800 and 4200 for that lane. So I might say I never want to pay more than 4200 so that 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 scares me to death even if the market changed and 4500 is the new price, I want to at least have a discussion and so this kind of puts some guardrails around dynamic pricing and and by the way, I think there's a lot of this going on in, in human kind right now is we're starting to trust technology but we we still want a little bit of control sometimes and um, that's a scare but I sell people this all the time a few years ago. Came back from a lot of traveling, pre-COVID, of course. Paid off my credit cards that I'd been traveling on, zeroed it out. Next day, I got like $4,000 more on that credit card, credit limit. I was like, I didn't ask for that.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: So in the olden days, a human would have processed that and said, well, we're we're looking at Joe's character, his past, blah, blah, blah. And they would say, we're going to go with $250 more. AI looks differently. They don't think like humans. They just think if they, if they, what their algorithm tells them and they looked and said, this guy is good for it. And they just gave it to me. Humans don't make decisions that big and bold because they have a boss. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> boss would pull, pull me into the office, and go, Joe, who the hell are you think you are giving this guy an extra $4,000? Those decisions, those credit limits are made automatically by the AI. And I can imagine early on the credit card companies were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Who just gave this guy all this credit without any discussion? You should have at least called him and made him verify he's still working or whatever. For sure.
0: Yeah, exactly. And
1: so I look at RateGuard as that same thing. It's like I trust the technology, but it worries me a little.
0: (laughs) And you made a good point earlier about, you know, you know, you're used to paying 4,200 max on, on, on this, on this lane. But if the market tightens up, then, you know, it allows us to go back to, to the customer and show them the data saying, Hey, I know you used to pay 42 on this, but the market is it's, it's moving. Right. So you, you have a, you know, some cushion to, to move that up a little bit. And, you know, we can, we, we, we have that insight and we have those, those conversations with, with customers now. And again, one of the, the, Things that we're trying to solve for for rate guard is preventing the load from eventually moving into to the spot market so rate guard kind of lives in that in in the routing guide so let's say the primary rejects the load then we insert our dynamic rate into that that routing guide and what you know and we try to be within the, the guardrails that that you know we've agreed upon with with the customer by the way we did things like this in the past but we did it manually yeah Exactly. And that's
1: that's the, and and right now to put that into your algorithm is easy. You're like, yeah, we moved that up. Now we moved it to four thousand five hundred dollars. They're comfortable. They recognize we got COVID pricing. Good, right? In the past, they said, you know, Rick, you can move that lane every week, is, but or Nick, as soon as but as soon as you move it, as soon as the price goes to this, we gotta have another discussion.
0: Yeah, and and something else too that that comes about with RayGuard is we. So we have the, the data insights as far as which loads are, we're, we're quoting, which means we can see, you know, which loads are being rejected by the primary. And then if we're not tendered that, that load in the dynamic routing guide and it moves the spot, a lot of times we're still quoting that on, on the spot market, but then we can compare with the customer what they eventually paid in the spot market versus what our rate was in the dynamic routing guide and were they better off with the load Filter on the spot, or should they have letting it, you know, right. uh, been tendered in the dynamic routing guide? And you know, we we tend to push, you know, getting the rates tendered in the dynamic routing guide saves the planner's time, doesn't go to spot market, and you can be done with it and, and move on.
1: Excellent. So, Nick, we're talking about redefining the freight brokerage market. Well, it's a freight brokerage, and so we talked about a few things there is doing that. First, the automation. We talked about that and dynamic pricing, which is really part of automation. And these rate guards are really part of dynamic pricing. These, I think, are just us getting more and more, uh, I mean, we're, we're segmenting, but in a lot of ways, it's all the, the automation, but what's the, what's the fourth thing that you see as redefining the freight, freight brokerage business?
0: Yeah. Something that, that we're excited about, and we've seen a lot of momentum here is making contracted rates more dynamic. So historically, as you, you probably know, is you go, the shipper goes to all their and they, you know, shoot out thousands of lanes and people set rates for, for those for, for 12 months. And those are static paper rates and they just, they stay there for, for 12 months, 24 months, three years, whatever, whatever the agreement is. <laughs> right. And by the way, for somebody to say, what does Nick mean by
1: paper rates? Explain what you mean by that.
0: Yeah. So paper rates in the, in the traditional, you know, brokerage world, it's, you know, you, you sign that you're going to uh, uphold, you know, this this rate for twelve twelve months. But if the if the market tightens up, then you know there are decisions that are made to say, well, maybe it's not in our best interest to to take it this load at this time uh, because the market, you know, is bearing you know a, a higher rate.
1: So so I heard somebody say on my podcast once is paper rates are only good on paper. Meaning, and to be fair, if I've asked you, let's just say your old job, Nick, give me some rates for the next year on this lane. And it's just before COVID. It's, it's the February before COVID began. And you give me a year's worth of rates and you say, Joe, I'm good for this. I'm going to actually, I'm going to prick my finger. I'm going to sign in blood. These rates are good. You're going to be, you're going to be a happy guy. (laughs) And then rates skyrocket and you, you have a choice to make, which is I'm going to lose money hand over fist. Or I'm gonna call Joe and say I am so sorry, rates went through the roof. Can you? Can we work together? So we. But what's a weird thing is right now, Nick, we are coming to the end of COVID. Without technology, just you, would you feel comfortable giving me rates for the next year?
0: It's. Uh, <laughs> we are. We're becoming a lot more confident. But no, that, I mean that,
1: you, that, you are. Take away your tech, just you.
0: Yeah, you would, no, you would not want yeah, to do with, it with with what's happened over the past two two and a half years. Yeah, there's there's definitely some hesitancy to to put out twelve month rates. And that's the weird thing about it. We we
1: we have as a as a carrier you're in that trick bag of do I give really aggressive, you know, be aggressively low on what I make so I can win the business, or do I go a little high and then even if rates go higher, I'm
0: protected. If you go high, then then you run the risk of not you don't even win getting it. Yeah, getting the, the business. Right. And and we've seen kind of the, the shift of, of shippers too, moving from those annual bids to, to smaller bids, monthly, quarterly. Right. That's that's the ticket.
1: And, yeah. and and that's another thing. The RFP process is a pain in the ass unless you got cool tech. So so basically your reliable contracts is the antidote to paper
0: rates. Yeah, exactly. So what we're what we're solving for here is we're going to our rates are going to fluctuate with the market. We're going to set a. Uh, there's two rates that we're going to set with with the customer. There's going to be the target rate, and then there's going to be the ceiling rates. And then we're you know our goal is to stay below the the ceiling rate. So in in a scenario where target rate's a thousand dollars, and we source the the carrier at twelve hundred dollars. And the ceiling is, let's say 14, we're, we're in between the the target and, and, and the ceiling rate. And we make, you know, 4% on like the management fee or whatever it may be. The cool thing about reliable contracts is if we start to source below that, that target rate, let's say the market starts to soften a little bit, then the customer is going to benefit because now that rates, you know, we'll pass that, that new rate onto the customer and they can kind of take advantage of, of that softening market.
1: This is again LoadSmart trying to prevent people from being pushed out into the spot market.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So in tight markets, we want to prevent, you know, PTA, the primary tender acceptance from reducing. We want to keep that as high as possible. So reliable contracts, the thing that, that we are, are selling is one hundred percent tender acceptance with this, but with the understanding that, that the rate is going to fluctuate. Right. And at the same time, we have built in mechanisms to incentivize load smart to buy as low as possible you
1: guys, you guys are also aligned so if 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 it goes above target, you make a little less exactly' so you're so you're, you're completely aligned to shipper interest and again i am not criticizing anybody's business model. the freight brokerage models worked for us very well for a long time. But we've all heard stories and probably even seen it where the broker and the shipper are somewhat disconnected because I'm looking for the lowest priced carrier and I want to put a big margin on it. And I want to go and bang the gong and and say, I made a thousand bucks on that load. That's we were joking about it before we hit record you and bio. How would you like it if you were a shipper and you're walking through a, a freight brokerage bullpen and and they're banging a gong and say, "Oh, I made a thousand bucks on that load." You'd be like, "What? Yeah, let, me get, good. let me get out of here." Wouldn't like, what, what kind of madhouse am I signing up for? So, I love the the I love the alignment and again. It, Paper rates are horrible for our business. I, it's a it's a stupid idea. So I like what you guys are doing there.
0: Yeah, and, and like you said, like you know, one of the the benefits of this is the full rate transparency. The customer will always see what we're paying. And and some may look at this and say, well, that's just that's just a cost plus model, and that's been around for for years. Like that's that's nothing. It's a little new. different. It's a little different. It's a little different, right? Because cost plus is usually here's the cost, customer and then here's our, our fixed feed that goes on on top of that right and there's no incentive to to keep that as low as possible you've you've aligned yourself to the shipper's interest so you're not you're not
1: you know you're not acting like you're their friend and then screwing them on a price you're saying hey look if, when you hurt i hurt
0: <laughs> yeah exactly for sure and like in you know there, there's multiple different models that, that we draw up of this but usually you know we set that target and we set the ceiling if we ever go above the ceiling then it's just a pass-through cost to to the customer. We don't make we don't make any money on the load, so that is you know, a lot of incentive to make sure we're staying below that that ceiling. Or I'm gonna talk you know. to the boss about that one. <laughs> so I better
1: figure. Yeah, I got it. The boss is gonna stop by and see me if I. Yeah, it. for sure. So what's the next one? What's number five?
0: So number five is you know in, when we look at. Freight brokers now, digital brokers, you know, it's more than it's more than just moving freight, right? You know, customers want us to be more of a consultant with with their business. And I know that's it's a very broad term and it gets thrown out a lot, but it, it's true. Like they they look at especially the the brokers that are positioning themselves more on the tech side. Like, hey, you have you know, access to all this data. What can you tell us about what's going on with other shippers in our vertical or, you know, within our network as, as well. And then on top of that, you know, providing more than just the service, right? So, um, offering some, some standalone solutions that, that we can package with the services that, that we're offering with, with the customer and help them really optimize their entire network. Right. I like, I like that
1: because if you guys are able to manage m- many more loads with one guy, right? So you freed up a lot of people, you know, theoretically that can, Focus on the big picture, which is things like, "Hey Nick, you know we could save you a lot more money if you, if you tendered with us, uh, you know on a Monday uh, rather than on a Tuesday afternoon. We could save you this much per per week. Absolutely. Go, oh well, yeah, let me look into that. Or hey, did you know that you sh- you're shipping you're shipping this uh, LTL? We we could if we could delay this, do two two LTLs into one truckload. We save you this much money.
0: For sure." And, and that, that's a, that's a good point. So that, you know, with the automation, you get all, again, you get all this data, right? And then it's, it's up to us to make sure that we can identify trends, repackage that and then shoot it back to the customer. One quick story on, on that. We, uh, as as you know, shippers are always rating their providers on, on you know on a weekly, bi-weekly, monthly basis. You know, what's your on-time pick, your on-time delivery, your PTA, all that. So during the, you know, with this one customer, we were going through our monthly scorecard conversations. And, you know, we were having trouble out of a a, a certain lane and you know, started looking at the numbers and you know, we look at a lot of different data points. And one that really stuck out to us was the the lead time on on these tenders, and we just assumed this is a large shipper. They obviously probably have this lead time data, but we presented it back to them, and they were like, "Whoa, like we're not even looking at that." And now how are you guys coming up with that that information? And we're like, "Well, wow, that's yeah, it's pretty easy. you know easy. It's a you know you tendered to us on this date, and here's a pickup date." And as you know, just looking at their entire network, as that decrease. We started to see the service drop a little bit, especially when the market was was tight. And so we worked with them to incorporate this into their own data, and then internally they use it. They started using it as a metric to to grade the, their business and their planners, and even more upstream, making sure they get the orders in, in enough time because it's really affecting the not only the performance for on-time pick, on-time delivery, but also pricing. You know, anything with shorter lead time, you're going to pay a lot more money on. So. Those that's just one instance. Obviously, there's a lot of other things, but that is with that automation and that more time to really dive into customers' network. We're we're presenting information back to them that that's helpful, right? And again, you're going after the cost of this. So rather than say, you know,
1: traditionally, if somebody said, "I want my freight broker to save me money," they were lowering their margin or looking for a cheaper carrier. What you guys are saying is, I don't want to. I don't want to ding my carrier. They're my customer too. I want to find ways that we can. All make money but lower the cost right absolutely and and that takes a that takes a little bit of planning, a little bit of foresight and and again the technology enables you to free yourself up. I've said this before sometimes people look at headcount in a funny way they'll say something like uh, well yeah, we need to reduce headcount. Well, if I'm vote smart and I go my headcount is forty percent tech guys. Those tech guys are reducing the cost of freight every single day they work. Yeah, and so it's a different model. It's not like they're not just sitting there banging the phone. I mean, by the way, remember banging the phone, but um, they are lowering the cost of shipping by automating more functions. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that's that's a really a sea change in this business. But we had one last thing, and this is kind of this is redefining freight brokerage in a big way. Uh, and I think this is just more of a, a a Lodi thing. That's what you guys call yourselves, right? That's right. Yeah. You
0: hit it right (laughs) on the head.
1: So what is the last one?
0: So the last one, like, like I mentioned, it's, it's incorporating, you know, these standalone products that go with the, the logistics services that, that we're providing to, to our, to our shippers, but also to, to our carriers. So one of them is, is Cameon. And this is a, it's a truck management software that we, you know, sell to, to, carriers out there and it helps dispatchers optimize drivers time on the road right they you know they can use it as uh, you know a one-stop shop for for their operations you know it's a load board they can you know uh, facilitate accounting billing safety checks and then also just more e- efficiency more, more tech. efficiency for for the carrier and it, and it allows us for for more integration with with those carriers going into my next point load smart integrated network this is something that that we just rolled out with. With one of our shippers. And what this allows us to do, the, uh, we call it LIN, Low Smart Integrated Network, is we can connect very easily and instantaneously carriers that are on the, the Cameo platform to shippers that normally wouldn't use, let's say, a smaller carrier because they either the carrier doesn't have the resources or the technology to implement EDI. So when you go to a large shipper, oh yeah, because there's a lot of onesie twosie maybe
1: owner, owner operators who would say, yeah, I can't, uh, I don't want to invest. I don't need the hassle. I'm driving a truck for a reason, so I don't have to deal with the techies. Yeah. But they but they, <laughs> they they fit
0: a very like specific lane or lanes for for that shipper, and they could provide a very reasonable price and service. But the shippers, you know, maybe it's the shipper just saying, you know, I really don't want to allocate our internal resources to to onboarding it and setting up EDI with all these onesie twosie carriers, right? What Lynn does, it helps automate that. And we can, you know, anyone that's on Camion they connect to a low-smart integrated network, and then we can connect that to all the different shipper TMSs and give the shippers all this additional availability and capacity, and they still get the EDI uh, benefits of tendering, shipment updates, invoicing, stuff like that.
1: So there's this, so. Cameon and then the Loadsmart Integrated Network or Lin. Those are other kind of these other suite of tools. Is what else is in that? Yeah. So we tools? also
0: have what we call RFP Guide, which is a it's a cloud based RFP software management system. You know, basically making it easier for for shippers to to manage their RFP process. Um, you know, this fits any size shipper from small medium business all the way up to to enterprise. Each of them.
1: So can I use it if I'm not a Loadsmart customer. How's that work?
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, when you say you're not a Loadsmart customer, like if you're not a shipper for for Loadsmart, yeah, you can still use RFP Guide. You can use that to to manage your your contracted business and and push out all of these these bids whether it's, you know, like I mentioned earlier, we're seeing it a lot now, a lot of different bids. Yeah, and how do you guys make money on that? It's a service, uh, it's a subscription
1: fee okay. on that. And the, and again, that also serves the purpose as you guys get more data, more understanding of the market. Exactly. Exactly. And hopefully and hopefully connect with some people who go,
0: you know what? I like this tool. I like these, I like the loadies. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> We've seen it both ways where we, you know, they were an RFP guide customer first, and they jumped over and became a, you know, we started moving loads for them, or vice versa. We were already moving loads for them and we introduced them to, to RFP guide.
1: I know you guys have one other kind of separate tech tech uh, I don't know if you call them divisions or whatever, but I talked to the guys from Open Doc on the podcast. And that's that's another part of another suite. So, what does OpenDoc do?
0: Yeah, so OpenDoc is a uh, it's a scheduling platform really that helps shippers better manage their their dock appointments. It puts everything again out on 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 the cloud and makes it very easy for carriers to to set appointments, but also for the warehouse managers and the warehouse workers to to manage those appointments to see you know what's what's available, not available. Do we need to switch some some things around? And it just it cuts out the the phone call, the emails, because right. I can't tell you how many times, you know, you know, we we would call facilities, and warehouse manager would answer, He's like, yeah, I need an appointment for for next Tuesday. He's like, all right, I got you down 9 a.m. and you go to show up, and he never and he never inputted it into to the system. This allows the carrier to go into that into OpenDoc and actually set that appointment so it's confirmed, right? And there's no. There's no misinformation. There's no missing, or you know, you, you didn't carry that information from Notepad to 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 your system. It's happening right then and there in real time. And also, it's uh, it, it it gives the it gives the warehouses all the data that they need on the back end to see like which appointments are working, not working, when are we, when are they usually late, why are they late, stuff like that. More data, more data. That's right. Same <laughs> in the game. Yeah, you know, the, the promise of the digital
1: supply chain is we'll have visibility. And we've talked about visibility a lot in the last you know few years. Obviously, very important. But I don't want to just have visibility to the ship is sinking. I want to be able to do something. So we want to collaborate on on that digital supply chain. And this open dock gives me that. So like if I'm a if I'm a carrier and I say I'm running a little late, I'm not gonna be there for my nine o'clock, but I'll be there by by 1030, I can go into that system, make that change. And potentially that maybe the guy who's at the receiver says, okay, yeah, I got that notice. That's fine. Not a problem. I'll just, I'm, I'm going to see you know, what else I can do bef- between now nine and 1030,
0: yeah, um, as exactly. opposed to
1: just showing up late. And then after a while you start to say, Hey, you know what, uh, Nick, I noticed you switched this from nine to ten thirty, ten times last year. Last in the last year. Do you want to just move it to ten thirty? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That is anyway. Um,
0: it's definitely yeah. It's definitely a, a tool that we're excited about, and also just the. Is that a standalone? Yeah, it is. It is, and it's it's one of those things too, where it's it's one of those processes that isn't isn't talked about a lot. It's not it's not sexy. It's it's scheduling, bad. right? Yeah, but it's but it's it is the backbone of really making sure loads are set up for success, right? So you got to have good appointments to be able to carry that over to, to carriers. And also you need that flexibility in, in appointments. Yep. So
1: what I want to do here is my loady friend is I'm going to summarize this and then I want to get your final thoughts on it. So we talked about redefining freight brokerage. And again, this there's traditional freight brokers who are becoming increasingly tech oriented themselves, but then there's like digital first freight brokerage like, like you guys. So the number one thing is this automation that you guys and driving efficiency. Forty percent of your employees are are t- techies who are automating this process. And that's, that's going to allow us to be a lot more efficient, move a lot more stuff, lower the cost per load. Then dynamic pricing, we talked about that. Rate guards, which is really kind of an extension of, the, of dynamic pricing to make sure that uh, stays within those guardrails. Number 4 we talked about reliable contracts it was really the antidote to paper rates and aligning the broker to the shipper and keeping people out of the spot market. Yep. Uh number 5 we talked about just the changing role of the freight broker as more and more stuff is automated, as more and more stuff is managed by technology we have the opportunity to have data insights and make suggestions that take the cost out in a better way, not in a way like I beat up my carrier to take money out in a way where you say, I reduced my margin now. I hate these guys. <laughs>
0: right? Yeah, Exactly. This
1: just is going after the costs, which is what ops guys are supposed to do. Yep. And then last but not least, you guys have this full suite of, of tools for shippers and carriers. We talk about Cameon, LIN or the Load Smart Integrated Network, the RFP Guide which is cloud-based, right? Yes, exactly. And last but not
0: least, we talked about OpenDoc. So final thoughts. Yeah, final thoughts. You summarize that that well. You know, the, the lifeblood of, of LoadSmart, when we look at our, our core principles, you know, one of them is, is curiosity. Um, and I think that's what really got us in the, in the door with a lot of these shippers and carriers in, in the first place. And it helped us to figure out where we need to automate is, as much as possible as we started automating we started to discover other areas where we could become more efficient dynamic routing you know d- dynamic pricing and routing guides rate guards reliable contracts and then also looking at the full suite of, of products that that we can offer our our customers both on the shipper side and on on the carrier side to be that that full partner and and, and consultant really bringing it it all together you know and we've been able to do this in a very short amount of time you know we've been been around for six seven years and the first couple of years is just figuring out you know what are we good at right we think you know we have a lot of good stuff out there in our heads but the this is just the beginning and i think you know next year two years three years down the road it's going to even look more and more impressive as far as automation you know more and more shippers and carriers are going to adopt it and you know it's it's one of those things like you got to be on, on, on this ride right now or you will, like you said, you will get left behind.
1: Oh, yeah. And I don't say this in any negative sense. It's just the techies are like 11 and 0. They're like Alabama or Georgia this year. I mean, they are just plowing through there's They don't come to an industry and then go, yeah, we tried it. It was hard and we left. Right. So, so it's they're transforming this space and for the better. And, and again, I, do, I think... There's a lot of freight brokers who are owned by guys who are my age who grew up in that business, not in tech. And they're making this awkward adjustment or awkward move, but it's not it's not going to be easy for everybody to make the move to tech.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: So Nick, before you go, tell us what conferences you guys go into? Where will we see... Where will we see all you loadies if we go to conferences?
0: Yeah, it's, it's exciting. We've already been to, to a lot this year. We've got a, a full agenda for, now, did you go to manifest? Yeah, we were at manifest.
1: I'm going next year. I did not know about it. People were talking about it on my podcast. And I was like, uh, I don't even know what that is but I will be there next year. <laughs> I, I did not go
0: but you know I talked to some some folks that did and they they had a good time. It was very good. But I, like I mentioned I was at E2 Open that was that was a very good one. We're going to be at TIA in San Diego later or I guess in next week. The uh, Freightways Future Supply Chain in Rogers, Arkansas in in May.
1: That that's in Northwest Arkansas. I just did a podcast with a professor from there yesterday.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I visited Northwest Arkansas, you know, last year, and it was a uh, it's a beautiful place. You know, most people don't realize it, but it's a it's a good place to visit.
1: Yeah, it's 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 one of the one of the cool things about what's going on there is that, you know the the big four are uh, JB Hunt, obviously Walmart, ArcBest is there, and then Tyson, and they've really developed a, a a supply chain hub there. I mean, and it's something so funny if you have. You know, if you're my age and you go, Arkansas, what the hell is in Arkansas? Is that farms or whatever? And now it's like, yeah, it's a supply chain hub. And by the way, University of Arkansas, number one uh, among supply chain schools on Gartner's list. Interesting. Wow, I didn't know that. A lot of other people would say, well, what about Michigan State or MIT? Lots of good supply chain schools and a lot of lists. That's the name of the game. More lists, more number ones.
0: Yeah, all, all the folks from Tennessee. When you went to Arkansas, it was usually to to go duck hunting, right? They had very good duck hunting west of the, right. the Mississippi. And then the last one we'll be at is Gartner Supply Chain in Orlando in in June. But there there's several more, but those three are going to be the top ones that, that we're focused on for this quarter. Okay, so Nick, how do we reach out and talk to you guys over at Loadsmart? Yeah, so you can go to uh, loadsmart.com and we have all the information there on on our website. There's boxes, whether you're a shipper, carrier or warehouse, click on that, learn more. Um, You reach out to me specifically um, on LinkedIn or Nick at loadsmart.com.
1: What I'm going to do, Nick, is I'll put all, all the links you just described. I'll put your LinkedIn profile, I'll put your company website, anything else bio gives me, I will put into the show notes so people can click through and talk to you guys. Love it.
0: Nick, thank you so much for taking the time. Joe, it was a pleasure and happy to be on.
1: Yep. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast, your support. It's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been
0: listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.